very good to be here this morning. Uh, see a lot of faces that I haven't seen in a long time, and it's very good to be here with you. To we're so blessed to be here to sing songs of praise to our Lord and to study His Word, to go to Him in prayer, and and to remember the great sacrifice that was made by Jesus upon the cross. We thank you all for being here, and uh, it's edifying and encouraging to me that you've taken the effort to come here this morning, and your interest in going to heaven. I, uh, was asked to speak on Jesus, which... (laughs) I mean, that's what we do. That's what we're about, right? And and this is uh, it's a topic that's uh, it's a source of our hope. It's a source of encouragement to us, and and we should never lose sight of this. And the King of Kings has gone by many names. He's referred to as the Lion of Judah. He's referred to as the way, the truth, and the life, the Word, the Messiah, Emmanuel, many, many titles. We're going to take a look at some of that today. In Revelations chapter 22, there in verse 13, it says, I am the Alpha and Omega, the beginning and the end. The first and the last. I was uh, asked to speak about Jesus from beginning to end. And the problem with that is, is Jesus has no beginning and no end. But we're going to try to cover quite a bit uh, the best we can in the time allotted. There in John chapter 1 and verse 1 it says, In the beginning was the word... The Word was with God, and the Word was God. The same was in the beginning with God. All things were made by Him, and without Him was not anything made that was made. In Him was the life, and the life was the light of men. We're here. We breathe. We have life because of Jesus. Now, we're all familiar with the creation, the story of creation. We're familiar of uh, the story of Adam and Eve, how that uh, they were placed in paradise and blessed richly. Since that time, mankind has had a problem. Mankind has had a problem with a free will and a rebellious heart. There was a man named Abraham that followed the Lord. He was faithful, and the Lord made a promise unto him that he would raise up a great nation, and the whole world would be blessed from that nation. And over time, his descendants multiplied. 
They went into Egypt, settled in the land of Goshen, were blessed, became a multitude. The Egyptians felt threatened, so they enslaved the, the descendants of Abraham. And through this enslavement of many generations, the Lord finally brought them out using Moses to lead them out of Egypt. Led them through the Red Sea, parted the waters. They walked through on dry land. Roman, the, the Egyptian charioteers tried to run them down from behind and, and the Lord caused the water to fall upon them. They witnessed all those miracles and much more. But as they continued their journey, they rebelled against the Lord. Can you imagine? I mean, I've often thought, what, what in the world? What more proof do you need? You sit here and see all these miracles and still you rebel and worship a false god. So they were caused, we'll get back to that question later about why we think that about these people. <clears throat> why they did that. So, <clears throat> the generations that rebelled against God died off and they were led to the verge of the promised land. Moses was not allowed to enter because he sinned against God. But Joshua led them across. And as they conquered the territory by the hand of God, they came to Jericho. And here's Joshua getting ready to go to battle. There in Joshua chapter 5 and verse 13. And it came to pass when Joshua was by Jericho that he lifted up his eyes and looked. And behold, there stood a man over against him with his sword drawn in his hand. And Joshua went unto him and said unto him, Art thou for us or for our adversaries? Art thou for us or for our adversaries? And he said, Nay, but as captain of the host of the Lord am I now come. And Joshua fell on his face to the earth and did worship and said unto him, What saith my Lord unto his servant? And the captain of the Lord's host said unto Joshua, Loose thy shoe from off thy foot, for the place whereon thou standest is holy. And Joshua did so. I want us to note two things about this occurrence. There's never been an angel that accepted worship from a man. Yet Joshua fell to the earth and worshiped. The other thing I want to notice here is the captain of the Lord's host was not there to do the will or the desire of man. And he was not there to do his own will. He was there as captain of the Lord's host to do the Lord's will. And it, it, this will be relevant as we go through this study later on. <clears throat> now, <clears throat> Israel conquers the inhabitants of the promised land. They go in, establish a kingdom. They worship God and are faithful then they rebel. Then they're faithful, and then they rebel. 
came to the point to where they were no longer offering their best to God. They were offering their worst. And then they didn't offer him anything at all. They forgot God. And as a result of that, the kingdom was taken from them. It was destroyed. And they were taken into captivity. Now, over many years later, Israel, the descendants of Abraham, started to trickle back into Jerusalem, into the former promised land. Now, these individuals were a a religious people. They were taught from the books of Moses. They were taught from the histories of King David and King Solomon. They were also taught prophecy. In Isaiah chapter 9 and 6, For unto us a child is born, unto us a son is given, and the government shall be upon his shoulder, and his name shall be called Wonderful, Counselor, the Mighty God, the Everlasting Father, the Prince of Peace. Israel expected a king. They were promised a king. There in verse 7, Of the increase of his government and peace there shall be no end. Upon the throne of David and upon his kingdom to order it and to establish it with judgment and with justice from henceforth even forever, the zeal of the Lord of hosts will perform this. They expected a king. Daniel chapter 2 and verse 44. And in the days of these kings shall the God of heaven set up a kingdom which shall never be destroyed. And the kingdom shall not be left to other people, but it shall break in pieces and consume all these kingdoms. And it shall stand forever. Israel had a sense of national pride. And I'm going to tell you something. They were looking forward to the king. Because the king was going to put them back on top. Does that sound familiar? Kind of sounds like how we were raised, right? America. Sense of national pride. Prophecy also prophesied about the, the birth of Christ. There in Micah 5 and 2. But thou, Bethlehem Ephrathah, thou, though thou be little among the thousands of Judah, yet out of thee shall he come forth unto me, that is, to be ruler in Israel, whose goings forth have been from old, from everlasting. <clears throat> now, we've, we've just gone through a period in this world uh, where uh, Christ's birth was supposed to be celebrated. And I know that in most cases, that, that meaning has been lost. It's been commercialized, and uh, rather than Christ, you know, being the focal point of this, it's become more about buttons and bows and presents and fairy tales. <clears throat> and it kind of puts a smile on my face every time I see a sign or, or somebody says, uh, Uh, you know, Jesus is the reason for the season. And while that's true, 
It's not the whole truth. You know, we, we don't know for sure if Jesus was born on the 25th or not. Uh, I think it's a good, good thing to celebrate his birth. But not only is he the reason for the season, he's the reason for every single day. Because it wouldn't exist without him. So we're all familiar with the birth of Christ. But we're told little else about his childhood. Uh, had a dear sister in Christ uh, make the comment about, what, did anything, or ask the question, did, did any, are we told anything about Jesus as a boy? And, I, and all we're told is, is there, uh, well, this kind of got out of order. It's a, it's a new deal. I apologize for that. John chapter 1 and 14. And the word was made flesh and dwelt among us. And we beheld his glory, the glory of the only begotten of the Father, full of grace. <clears throat> and we're told that when Jesus was 12 years old, that his parents went to Jerusalem every year at the feast of the Passover. And when he was 12 years old, they went up to Jerusalem after the custom of the feast. And it came to pass that Jesus, you know, he was traveling with his family. And his parents thought he was with another part of his family. And they realized he was missing. And it came to pass that after three days they found him in the temple sitting in, in the midst of the doctors. Both hearing them and asking them questions. And all that, that heard him were astonished at his understanding and answers. And when they saw him they were amazed. And his mother said unto him, Son, why hast thou dealt with us? Behold, thy father and I have sought thee sorrowing. And he said unto them, How is it that you sought me? Wist ye not that I must be about my father's business? And Jesus increased in wisdom and stature and in favor with God and man. I can envision this, uh, you know, this model young man full of goodness. Everybody liked him. Had much favor with God and man. <clears throat> the next thing we're told is when Jesus is about 30. The, John the Baptist is baptizing in the river Jordan. And Jesus goes down there. He goes down there to be baptized. Not because he has any sin. He goes down there to be baptized because it was the Lord's will. To fulfill all righteousness. Now when all the people were baptized. It came to pass that Jesus also being baptized and praying. The heaven was open. And the Holy Ghost descended in bodily shape like a dove upon him. And a voice came from heaven which said thou art my beloved son. And thee I am well pleased. <clears throat> After this occurrence. Jesus immediately departs into the wilderness. Now I know, uh, keeping up with, with a lot of you guys and gals here, that y'all have been fasting on Wednesdays. Fasting and praying and sharing scriptures. So you, you can probably get a lo little more practical uh, what's going on here a little bit. Uh, fasting. 
There in chapter 4, verse 1, And Jesus, being full of the Holy Ghost, returned from Jordan and was led by the Spirit into the wilderness, being forty days tempted of the devil. And in those days he did not eat, he, he did eat nothing. And when they were ended, he afterward hungered. He was tempted and did not sin. Now, I think sometimes we kind of gloss over that because he was the Son of God. So it was easier for him, right? Is that what we think? I know I've thought that in the past. But scripture says that's not the case. In Hebrews chapter 4 and verse 15, For we have not a high priest, that's Jesus Christ, which cannot be touched with the feeling of our infirmities, but was in all points tempted like as we are, yet without sin. If you're tempted with lust... You best believe Jesus was tempted, but he did not succumb. If you're tempted with the pleasures of this world, you best believe Jesus was tempted too, but he did not succumb. The weaknesses that I'm tempted with, Jesus faced them all. It did not succumb. He hungered, he thirsted, he sorrowed. He felt pain. He was fully human and fully the Son of God. <clears throat> Luke chapter 4 and verse 14. And Jesus returned in the power of the Spirit into Galilee. And there went out fame of him through all the region round about. And he taught in their synagogues being glorified of all. He taught with power. And authority like no one ever has and no one ever will. And he came to Nazareth where he had been brought up. And as his custom was, he went into the synagogue on the Sabbath day and stood up for to read. And there was delivered unto him the book of the prophet Isaiah. And when he had opened the book, he found the place where it was written. The Spirit of the Lord is upon me, because he hath anointed me to preach the gospel to the poor. He has sent me to heal the brokenhearted, to preach deliverance to the captives, and the recovering of the sight to the blind, to set at liberty them that are bruised, to preach the acceptable year of the Lord. And he closed the book, and he gave it again to the minister and sat down. And the eyes of all them were in the synagogue were fastened on him, and they began to say unto him, This day is this scripture fulfilled in your ears. I'm the one. That's what he said. <clears throat> now, Jesus chose 12 disciples. And he spent three years traveling the countryside, preaching the kingdom, healing the sick, healing the lame, raising the dead, performing all types of miracles, teaching like no one had never taught, with authority and power. Three years preaching the kingdom, feeding thousands. The, the popularity that he, that he had is, is really hardly imaginable, how he was loved. 
And all the things he performed, we're told, are not even contained in the Bible. There in John chapter 21, verse 25. And there are also many other things which Jesus did, the which, if they should be written, every one, I suppose that even the world itself could not contain the books that should be written. Amen. He's infinite. His works are infinite. After this three years of ministry, he calls his disciples, his apostles unto him. There in Luke chapter 18, verse 31, Then he took unto him the twelve and said unto them, Behold, we go up to Jerusalem, and all things that are written by the prophets concerning the Son of Man shall be accomplished. For he shall be delivered unto the Gentiles, and shall be mocked, and spitefully entreated, and spit it upon. And they shall scourge him and put him to the death, and the third day he shall rise again. He told the men there exactly what was going to happen to him, and they didn't hear it. They're still ex- expecting a king, a physical king, to restore Israel. But uh, <clears throat> I don't have these scriptures on the PowerPoint, so if you'd like to turn in your Bible to Matthew, Jesus was considered a rebel by the religious authorities of the day because he did not recognize their man-made authority. He did not follow their tradition, the traditions of men that they had incorporated within the religion. He was a front. He was an affront to their power, and he threatened their power base. We're familiar with the story of one of the twelve, Judas Iscariot, betraying Jesus to the, to the elders. And how they sent uh, the temple guard to arrest him. And as they approached, one of his followers drew a sword and struck one of the guards, cut off his ear. Because he expected the battle to take place. And Jesus, because he's not there to do the will of man, he's not there to do his own will, but he's there to do the Father's will, says to the man, put up your sword. Do you not know that I could pray to my Father and he would send me twelve legions of angels? Now, Brother Matt, we were talking about this earlier. And I'm not sure what a, le- uh, a legion is in the army. But a legion of angels was, you know, 72,000 strong. The most powerful military force this world has ever known, the universe has ever known. It only took two to destroy Sodom and Gomorrah. <clears throat> 
We'll pick up there in Matthew chapter 27, verse 24. <clears throat> it was a custom for Pilate to release a prisoner. And he gave him a choice between a murderer, a convicted murderer, and Jesus, which he could find no fault. When Pilate saw that he could prevail nothing, but that rather a tumult was made, he took water, washed his hands before the multitude, saying, I am innocent of the blood of this person, see you to it. Then answered all the people and said, His blood be on us and on our children. Then released he Barabbas unto them, and when he had scourged Jesus, he delivered him to be crucified. Then the soldiers of the governor took Jesus into the common hall and gathered unto him the whole band of soldiers. And they stripped him and put on him a scarlet robe. And when they had plaited a crown of thorns, they put it upon his head and a reed in his right hand, and they bowed the knee before him and mocked him, saying, Hail, King of the Jews. And they spit upon him and took the reed and smote him on the head. And after that had mocked him, they took the robe off from him and put his own raiment on him and led him away to, be cruci to crucify him. And as they came out, they found a man of Cyrene, Simon by name. Him they compelled to bear his cross. And when they were come unto the place of Golgotha, that is to say, the place of the skull, they gave him vinegar to drink, mingled with gall. And when he had tasted thereof, he would not drink. And they crucified him, parted his garments, casting lots that it might be fulfilled, which was spoken by the prophet. They parted my garments among them, and upon my vesture they cast lots. A lot of you have experienced physical pain. But have you ever tried to put that in perspective to what Jesus went through? It cannot be compared. Cannot be compared. Because I remember the worst pain I was ever in. I begged for painkillers. Begged for them. I passed out from the pain. Jesus, by pure will, did not accept the painkiller that was offered him. And he did not faint. Verse 36, and sitting down they watched him there and set up his head as accusation written, this is Jesus, the king of the Jews. Then were there two thieves crucified with him, one on the right hand and another on the left, and they that passed by reviled him, wagging their heads and saying, thou that destroyest the temple and builds it in three days, save thyself. If thou be the son of God, come down from the cross. Likewise also the chief priests mock him, mocking him with the scribes and the elders said, He saved others, himself he cannot save. If he be the king of Israel, let him now come down from the cross, and we will believe him. He trusted in God, let him deliver him now, if he will have him. For he said, I am the son of God. The thieves also which were crucified with him cast the same in his teeth. Now from the sixth hour there was darkness over all the land till the ninth hour. And about the ninth hour Jesus cried with a loud voice saying, Eli, Eli, lama sabachthani, 
that is to say, my God, my God, why hast thou forsaken me? Hanging on the cross in in extreme pain, abandoned by all his friends and all his loved ones, and finally separated from God because of no fault of his own. Verse 47, some of them stood there when they heard that said, this man called for Elias. And straightway one of them ran and took a sponge and filled it with vinegar and put it on a reed and gave him to drink. The rest said, let it let be. Let us see whether Elias will come to save him. Jesus, when he had cried again with a loud voice, yielded up the ghost. And behold, the veil of the temple was rent in twain from the top to the bottom, and the earth did quake and the rocks rent. And the graves were open, many bodies of the saints which slept arose and came out of the graves after the resurrection and went into many of the holy city, appearing unto many. Now when the centurion and they that were with him watching Jesus saw the earthquake and those things that were done, they feared greatly, saying, Truly, this was the Son of God. Please get out your songbooks. You know, we talked about earlier in the study how could those Israelites see all those miracles and deny God, turn from God? How could all the people that Jesus performed and, 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 and preached to and they saw these miracles, how could they do this? He was betrayed denied and deserted by those he came to save. He was betrayed, denied, and deserted by his closest friends. He was betrayed, denied, and deserted by you and me. Our voices have done the same thing as those people that stood before that cross. That's what scripture says. Because in Romans chapter 3 and 23 For all have sinned and come short of the glory of God. He died for those sins. The question is, are you going to accept the gift that was offered? If you're sitting there this morning and you're full of shame and you're full of guilt, and you feel unworthy, you don't feel worth it, I'm going to tell you what scripture says about that. In Romans chapter 5 and verse 8, but God commendeth his love toward us, and that while we were yet sinners, Christ died for us. That's how much you're worth. You have worth. The Son of God died for you and for me. 